0: Qué bonito. ¡A ¡Ah, caramba! ¡Qué mala!
1: Hello, Georges Colinet, with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. It's said that the black man was the first Spanish speaker to set foot on the land known today as Peru. The astonished natives, who had never seen a black person, tried to rub the color of his skin. But the blackness remained, and that African tinge, which would fade to the background in Peru's complex cultural history, would never go away.
2: Revivals tend to happen at a time when it's important to get something back that was lost, or at a time when perhaps a particular group feels that its past is slipping away from it, um, or perhaps at a time when conditions make it possible to revive something.
3: In Peru, black music became the music, you know, because it's still Andean music only Andean people relate to, and then there is the criollo music that only city people relate to, but then
1: there's black music and everybody likes that. That's Juan Morillo, manager and producer of the group Peru Negro, and Heidi Feldman, author of the award-winning book Black Rhythms of Peru. They join Indiana University professor Javier León to explore the fascinating revival of Afro-Peruvian music on this special hip-deep edition, Black Peru, Lost and Found. Let's kick it off with an important voice of Black Peru, Lucila Campos. Afro-Peruvian singer Lucila Campos with El Mayoral, or The Slave Master, the song recalls the struggle of black slaves in the fruit fields of Peru's Pacific coast. In the 17th and 18th centuries, the Spanish brought thousands of enslaved Africans to their new colony. Thousands more were redirected to the Pacific coast from all over the Americas. In the time that followed, blacks mixed into the patchwork of Peruvian society until, according to census data, they seemed to disappear. But that was not the whole story. We'll tell you what happened to them in a moment. listening to criollo music from Peru. The term criollo defines a highly mixed cultural identity in Peru. But the word's definition changed greatly over the course of Peruvian history. Tracing these changes illuminates the history of blacks in Peruvian society.
4: First, the term criollo in Peru and in other parts of Latin America was used to refer to to one particular type of
1: African slave. That's Javier León, explaining the definition of criollo during the 1600s. It
4: was a way of differentiating between a slave that had just arrived from Africa and who spoke no Spanish, and and then there was the slave that was considered to be partially acculturated, and that already spoke Spanish, had already converted to Catholicism, wore Western dress, and that slave was called the criollo. In the
1: 1700s, Peru's ruling monarchy, the Spanish, later adopted the term Criollo for their Spanish descendants born in the New World. Again, Javier León.
4: It was a way of separating them out as well, a way of saying that Uh, Spaniards who were born in the New World had actually fewer rights.
1: When Peru won its independence from Spain in 1821, the word criollo changed yet again.
4: The aristocratic upper class, which was predominantly of European descent, kind of adopts the term criollo in reference to themselves and as a way of saying we're different from Spain. And so to this day in Peru, you have a little bit of both sides. Now in terms to music, it's a little bit different. Criollo music is the music that gets associated with the working class of Lima from the end of the 19th century into the 20th century. And although a lot of the music has this kind of European basis, so you hear a lot of polkas and a lot of waltzes, and, and which were influenced by a lot of dances that came from Europe, you actually have that the people who practiced that dance was a very kind of culturally diverse group of people.
1: As the term criollo loses its racial identity and takes on a cultural one, so do many blacks. They meshed into the fabric of criollo culture and they preferred not to be identified as black. African musical heritage became an essential yet unrecognized element of mixed-race criollo music. To play criollo songs, one needs the guitar, introduced to Peru by the Spanish and performed in an intricate and aggressive style that embodies criollo culture, and a drum that looks like a large wooden crate said to be invented by Afro-Peruvians.
2: The cajon, it's a real symbol of African heritage now in Peru.
1: Heidi Feldman.
2: It's also just a symbol of Peruvian music. Uh, many Peruvians just in general in the United States have told me that all they have to do is hear one sound on the cajon, and it just sort of tugs at their heart and says home.
1: Musicians sit on the box and strike it with their palm and fingertips, making an amazing array of timbres and syncopations. And now, here's the marriage of the cajon and guitar, with singing and participatory hand clapping in Musica Criolla. (laughs) Ah, beautiful. Mandame quitar la vida, performed by Creole musicians Carlos Aire and Augusto Asquez.
2: The lyrics of Mandame quitar la vida are about love and lament. Author Heidi Feldman. Tell me to end my life. This sense of the lovelorn
4: singer. And the metaphor for lost love becomes kind of a metaphor for losing that lima of old. Often
1: criollo musicians were not mourning over affairs of the heart, but over a lost golden age of criollo culture. During the middle of the 20th century, Andean immigrants upset the balance of Lima's criollo society. Instruments like the Andean pan flutes were heard in the streets and on the radio instead of the cajon
2: tremendous migrations of Andean peasants, of indigenous and mestizo people from the highland regions of Peru who are bringing their culture, who are extending the boundaries of the city of Lima and tapping into water and electricity and creating not only an enlarged city, but also a changed cultural environment. That's Lucha
1: Reyes, a black criollo singer who wills return to her lost love.
2: The lyrics of the songs and the sort of shared culture of performing these songs and dances together in a sense preserves the Lima that no longer is, the Lima that is remembered, colonial Lima, and, and the Lima before the Andean waves of migration.
1: A Lima that is remembered but may have never existed. What? How is it possible? Well, to begin with, much of the original Afro-Peruvian culture was either lost or forgotten long before the Andean migration of the 1950s.
2: I think of the African diaspora in Peru as being a second diaspora in the Americas, in that Africans were enslaved and brought to the Atlantic coast and sold into slavery there. But in Peru, the forefathers and foremothers of Afro-Peruvians had to make a second journey. You know, if they survived the Middle Passage across the Atlantic Ocean and made it to the Rio de la Plata area or to Cartagena in northern Colombia, then at that point, they, from Cartagena, would cross by land over to the Pacific coast and then go down to Lima. And Lima was a a kind of central market where they would be sold into slavery in other regions of the Pacific coast. So they were separated in a sense from the core of the African diaspora. More had been forgotten. The population was smaller, the population of African descent was so much smaller than in places like Brazil or Cuba, where you have um, the perpetuation of African-descended cultural traditions.
1: And even more, Afro-Peruvian heritage was lost when slavery was abolished in 1854. Juan Murillo. Well, what happened, I think, the history of blacks in Peru, um, You know, after slavery, they were ostracized from the rest of society. Most Afro-Peruvians sought higher social status by identifying themselves as criollo rather than black. Then, when huge mestizo populations from the mountains moved to Lima in the 1950s, black Peruvian people and their music seemed almost to have disappeared. Only a few families carried on Afro-Peruvian traditions at private parties and homes. So whatever they did, they kind of did uh,
3: among themselves. You know, their music, their culture continued to live in the home and among the families. But society at large in Peru didn't know too much about this.
1: Criollo changed all that. Scholar José Durand mounted the major recreation of the publicly forgotten music of black slaves and their descendants in Peru. Heidi Feldman.
2: José Durand wanted to get together a bunch of black Peruvian musicians and dancers and actors, young people largely from these few families, these kind of royal families that had maintained and preserved. Black Peruvian culture.
1: Durand found some of the black royal families in the callejones.
2: Callejones, which existed in Old Lima, tended to be in neighborhoods that had uh, many residents of Afro-Peruvian descent, as well as white criollos and criollos of other ethnic origin. Because there were uh, people of Asian descent and other ethnic groups who shared this criollo culture in the 20th century.
4: You have these
2: apartments kind of lining the entire alley each of these
4: apartments would usually be a one or two room dwelling where you know very poor families would live Javier Leon. and then at the very end of that alley you would usually have a sink or the well before that that was what all the people in that callejón used to share for water for washing for cooking and so forth criollos and afro-peruvians um who lived in these kinds of dwellings, would get together to perform and play music all night.
1: These parties, or haranas were important sources for Durán's research.
2: José Durán was a scholar, but he really believed that The culture that these elderly Jaraneros held in their minds and in their practice was as important as what could be learned from books.
0: Ja, 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 ja. y tu mano tu frente, delicada ja, 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 ja. y tu frente reclinada ja, 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 ja. poderosa por tu frente en gozara del aroma del aroma de tu aliento ay oh, maria
1: That's a historic recording of legendary criollo musicians made by Harana's Four Aces. Elderly criollo singer Manuel Quintana, the Black Canary, rose from his hospital bed to assist José Durand this recording. To patch together the black voice of Peru, Durand wanted to know what came before this type of criollo music in Peru's black communities. He worked closely with Don Porfirio Vasquez, a patriarch of one of Lima's royal families that preserved black music. Don Porfirio's influence on the future of Afro-Peruvian music was massive. Another important source for Durán, the watercolor paintings of a 19th century artist named Pancho Fierro, whose work often depicted black life in colonial Lima, Javier León. People begin
4: to look at Pancho Fierro as a way of kind of wanting to try to figure out what were some of the things that were going on in the 19th century that you don't really see around anymore. And people begin to gravitate especially to the paintings about the dances. His paintings were such a symbol of
1: Lima's forgotten black past that Durant named his troupe the Pancho Fiero Company. His 1956 Pancho Fiero theatrical production in Lima's prestigious municipal theater inspired the movement where Peruvians reclaimed and recreated their black roots. They rendered a scene from a Fiero painting for the stage. The Son de los Diablos, or Devil's Song. Diablo! This is how it might have sounded, performed by a group led by Manuel Mugara, known by his nickname, Manucho. Manucho was a former Afro-Peruvian Diablo, or Devil, who helped Durán recreate what was absent from Fierro's paintings. Son de los Diablos was a pre-Lantern Carnival Street procession with black musicians and dancers. Until about the 1920s, these costumed devils performed acrobatic dances and formations in the street. In addition to working with the last known Carnival Diablos, Durand studied the costumes and musical instruments in Fierro's paintings of the 19th century Diablos.
2: There was a large harp instrument used at one point, the cajita, which is a smaller version of the cajon. It's a wooden box that is held around one's neck with a rope that has a lid that opens and closes and makes a percussive sound.
1: Duran did not revive the harp. Perhaps it was too cumbersome to carry around. But he did adopt other instruments found in the paintings, including the guitar, the kaita, and the quijada, which is the jawbone of a donkey. The living Diablos, like Manucho, bequeathed as much information to Durán as they could remember. But it was not enough. Some of it had to be filled in.
2: Where did Vicente Vasquez get his melody for guitar?
1: Afro-Peruvian guitarist Vicente Vasquez, Don Porfirio's son, helped Durán fill in the gaps. He recreated many forgotten guitar parts in the Afro-Peruvian revival.
2: I don't know if it was similar to any melody that was performed in the street, but it's the one that was invented for the Pancho Fierro show, and it became the melody for El Son de los Diablos, although variations of it are performed.
1: What is remembered and what is forgotten? What is authentic and what is invented? Investigating these questions will reveal the new history of Afro-Peruvian music.
0: el ritmo del Negro tiene que ser
1: you can learn more about Afro-Peru's revival by visiting our website, afropop.org Link to José Duran's library, to Pancho Fiero, into your Facebook profile or read the full interview with our Afro-Peru guide, Heidi Feldman, who authored Black Rhythms of Peru. Coming up... Two black Peruvians go back to a time, even before Duran's old Lima, to put the Afro back into the Afro-Peruvian revival. I'm Georges Colinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. José Duran and his Pancho Fiero Dance Company created the first theatrical production of the Afro-Peruvian revival. He brought attention to the old black songs that had preceded criollo styles, like the marinera. But one of his performers went even farther, back in time to trace the black voice of Peru.
2: Nicomene Santa Cruz came along in the 1960s. Straight out of the Pancho Fierro Company, and then Victoria Santa Cruz, his sister, joined him as leader of the company Cumanana. Nicomere Santa Cruz became really the father of the Afro Peruvian revival. I,
0: soy hombre que en esta vida,
1: before he became a director, journalist and radio and television personality Nicomedes was known as a performer of decimas, a form of oral poetry from Spain. As the decimista in Durand's company, he premiered Black Rhythms of Peru. Through this poem, Nicomedes gave black Peruvians a glimpse of their past that had been forgotten.
0: Rítmos Negros del Peru Africa llegó mi abuela vestía con caracoles. La trajeron los españoles en un barco carabela. La marcaron con candela, la carimba fue su cruz. Y en América del Sur, al golpe de sus dolores, dieron los negros tambores ritmos de la esclavitud.
1: He says. My grandmother came from Africa, adorned in shells. Spaniards brought her in a caravel ship, they marked her with fire. The branding iron was her cross. And in South America, to the beat of their pain, black drums sounded rhythms of slavery. In Peru or anywhere in the Black Pacific, no one had heard such a thing. Peru's story of slavery had never been recited on a public stage. Nicomedes quickly became the most important voice of Black Peru. Blacks were believed to be just part of Criollo culture.
2: So there was not really a sense of diasporic consciousness.
1: Again, Heidi Feldman.
2: It's with Nicomedes Santa Cruz that the term Afro begins to be used instead of the term Negro or Black.
1: Nicomedes gave black Peruvians a sense of shared heritage with blacks living everywhere, from Cuba to Angola.
2: If there had been no Nicomé Santa Cruz, I can't even imagine what black music would be like in Peru because it was his leadership that really did so much for people of African descent um, and for the arts of the black community in Peru. And it was largely the work of the leaders of the Afro-Peruvian revival of music and dance at the mid 20th century that paved the way for other efforts to address the lack of civil rights and dignity for the descendants of enslaved Africans in Peru. After
1: Durand's company went bankrupt in 1958, Nicomedes and his sister Victoria Santa Cruz formed Cumanana. Nicomedes recycled many of the research methods Durand used to create his work.
2: Nicomedes did incredible research. He was really a kind of lay scholar. Um, He put together theories about the origins of Afro-Peruvian music by reading what he could, and um, he really was very, very well read in terms of the experience of the African diaspora in other places, and so he used the tools of folklore and ethnography, going and collecting bits and pieces of remembered décimas and festejos.
1: Nicomedes remembered fragments of melodies from his childhood. One proved to be the perfect source material for a hugely popular Afro-Peruvian style, the lando. inimitable Victoria Santa Cruz, created a technique to remember the Londo's choreography, ancestral memory driven by rhythm. As a choreographer and director, she influenced a generation of young black Peruvians to reclaim their diasporic identity.
2: Victoria would do things like turn out the lights and light a candle, and then have everyone reach inside themselves and sort of try to hear the silenced voice of their ancestors. And Victoria um, recreated the Lando by remembering it with her body.
1: Hmm, remembering with just your body? The lights go off, a candle is lit, and the spirit of Lando returns through ancestral memory? Is this a memory or an invention?
2: People often refer to the lando as the mother of all African rhythms in Peru. What's interesting is that it may actually be one of the most recently invented.
1: That's Nicomedes singing the first popular lando, Samba Malato. He chants with the chorus, Oyokororo, oyokororo, but what does it mean?
2: And the words of this second verse were words that he made up that sounded African. In one of his later publications, he calls them um, arbitrary Afroid verbiage or something like that. You hear these words that sound very African if you don't know any African languages. So, what they accomplish is they make the song sound more like it came from Africa, sort of validating this past that Afro Peruvians are desperately seeking to reclaim during the Afro Peruvian revival.
3: Oh, loud, I-
1: Nicomedes proclaimed the Lando was a close cousin of the Lundu, a dance from Angola that was reborn in Brazil. He even asserted that the Lundu was the foundation for over 50 couple dances in the Americas.
2: Now, scholars have searched in vain for documentation of this lundu actually coming to Peru um, or being related in any way to the Lando. Um, he noted that those two words were very similar and thought, well, you know, Brazil may have had some of the same ancestors from the same area as we did. And so it's difficult to say to what extent this theory is true. Entonces, qué
0: buena
5: valna, que ya se
2: but what is true
1: is that the lando became, despite the lack of factual evidence, an effective imaginative link between Africa and Peru.
2: People that I met when I was doing my research in Peru who would sort of say, why would you want to study that music? That was all made up in the 1960s. You know, none of it is authentic. And I think this is a way to um, trivialize the fact that traditions are invented. And so maybe Afro-Peruvian music is very invented. But that very invented music is still Black Peruvian music. For me, you know, the process of kind of becoming more familiar with the details of the Afro-Peruvian revival, or at least the details that were remembered by my consultants who kindly shared their memories of the revival with me, it sort of makes me look at and perhaps question a little bit more many of the traditions that we don't think of as being invented in other parts of the world.
0: Cálmese, cálmese, cálmese No me friegue usted No me friegue usted No me friegue usted Que pleito se ha formado Dejen De disputar, de No se discute más Que guardia va a venir Que pleito se ha formado
1: That was Victoria Santa Cruz with Las Lavanderas, the laundresses. Victoria turned everyday movement into art. connected Afro-Peru with the Afro-Diaspora, it became commonplace for Afro-Peruvian musicians to pound on drums from everywhere. The conga and bata drums from Cuba, and later the djembe and shekere from West Africa. However, one Peruvian drum moved to the forefront of the Afro-Peruvian revival.
2: The cajon becomes very, very prominent. Uh, Rhythms are developed for it, which become more and more complicated as the revival goes on. And it uh, becomes joined by other Afro-Latin percussion instruments to make a denser sound.
1: band Peru Negro expanded the repertoire and the virtuosity of the cajón.
3: 1969, which is the time of a lot of social movements taking place around the world. That's Juan Morillo. Africa and countries were becoming independent. Uh, there was a civil rights movement in the U.S. In South America, there was also uh, different movements of sort of national pride. Among them, different. Groups of black ancestry in different parts of South America began to sort of uh, become more involved in national politics, etc. And it's amidst all of these events taking place that Peru
1: Negro is born. Peru Negro's founder, Ronaldo Campos de la Colina, was the cajon player for Jose Duran and Victoria and Nicomedes Santa Cruz. He
3: was born in the south of Peru, in an area where there's still black communities. Uh, it's an area called San Luis de Cañete. He lived, you know, modest, very modest life in a very modest neighborhood, and the origins of the group are very modest. He was born in a, what they call in Peru a callejón de un solo caño. It's an alley where there's only one
1: faucet for the whole, you know, area of families that live there. Colina encouraged the members of Peru Negro to revisit their own modest upbringings. Like Duran and Santa Cruz, Peru Negro's search for source material was fruitful.
3: The original members of Peru is they began to travel back to those communities. And they interviewed people, they took notes, uh, they took pictures, they wrote, uh, you know, they asked people to dance, the older people, and they wrote those steps. And they have cataloged uh, close to 60 different dances.
1: After Peru Negro broke new ground in the revival, another Peruvian innovator came to the fore: Eva Ayón. To this day, Miss Ayón is the pride of Peru. She performs work from both criollo and Afro-Peruvian traditions, but isn't bound by either
4: she began to update the sound a little bit, kind of moving away from the kind of classic sound of the 70s and began to use things like electric basses. She begins to work with the piano in a lot of her valses, which is actually kind of going back to an an older style of vals, but which she also kind of begins to reinterpret. Here, Eva Ayón
1: chants the classic song Raíces del Festejo, Written by Pepe Vasquez in honor of his father, the great Don Porfirio Vasquez.
4: And the song, when Pepe wrote it, was basically to talk about his father, Don Porfirio, and how the song talks about how, you know, I always told my dad that I wanted to be like you and I wanted to sing like you and I wanted to know the festejo and I wanted to know this black rhythm. Este
5: ritmo, negros, este ritmo sabroso, este ritmo festejo aquí. Como? Este ritmo de negros, Este ritmo sabroso, este ritmo festejo aquí. Aquí. Este ritmo de negros, este ritmo sabroso, este ritmo festejo aquí. Este ritmo de negros, este ritmo sabroso, este ritmo festejo aquí. Yo no había nacido. Este ritmo sabroso Este ritmo festejo aquí Así ah, Este ritmo de negros Este ritmo sabroso Este ritmo festejo aquí Ajá. Este ritmo de negros Este ritmo sabroso Este ritmo festejo aquí Ajá, Otra vez Este ritmo de negros Este ritmo sabroso Este ritmo festejo aquí Lo hizo Porfirio profirio Ese gran señor lo hizo con mucho arte y ahora lo canto yo. 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 Ahora con tambor y bata. Cuando era pequeña. Yo le dije a papá, yo quiero cantar Quiero ser tan buena como lo eres tú. Le dije a papá. Quiero ser tan buena como lo eres tú. Ahora Ah. Eh, eh, eh. Ahora canto, ahora toco. Y doy gracias a papá. Que pueda cantar, que pueda tocar. Le dije a papá. ¿Qué cosa? Yo quiero. Cantar. así le di a papá qué yo quiero ser como tú le dije a papá le dije a papá así le dije a papá así. le dije a papá así. le dije a papá Ajá. le dije a papá <inaudible> le dije a papá, papá. papá.
1: raíces del festejo roots of festejo performed by eva yon for 30 years, Miss Ayon has been both an innovator and an artist who keeps Afro-Peruvian and Criollo music alive. Afro-Peruvian music is still cooking. There are small clubs in Lima called Peñas, where many artists perform to emulate Eva Ayon and other leaders of the Afro-Peruvian revival. Beside the Peñas, there are more and more places for emerging musicians to
4: experiment with their roots. Javier Leon, younger musicians reproduce what you know, their parents or grandparents had done, but to kind of begin to kind of experiment a little bit more. And when they begin to experiment a little bit more, they are actually invoking very consciously the history of the revival not as tradition and not as unchanging, but actually as the opposite, as something that was very creative.
1: Today, many young musicians are inspired by a Peruvian voice rooted in our real and imagined past. Susana Baca
6: Sete selan ese <laughs> mi malaya ya Sete selan ese mi malaya ya Sete selan mi malaya Sarandé
1: Susana Baca popularized Afro-Peruvian music worldwide New York-based rock star David Byrne signed her to his Dua Bop label after hearing her music from his Spanish teacher. Like all the Afro revivalists, Susana performs material from her past, but she's also not afraid to cover a song by Bjork or collaborate with cutting-edge musicians Marc Ribot and John Medeski. This is Resbalosas from Six Poems.
6: No hay en el mundo un ser que me consuele, ni que mitigue mi dolor fatal. No hay en el mundo un ser que me consuele, ni ni que mitigue mi dolor fatal.
1: listening to the group Nova Lima, perhaps the freshest sound of Afro-Peru.
4: Nova Lima started out as four people. They were all limeños. None of them are actually Afro-Peruvian. They actually were all more coming from the criollo um, end of the spectrum. Some of them had listened to some criollo music growing up and because um, they got into different kinds of um, electronic music that would kind of email each other different parts and slowly kind of build the songs. And on their first album, there's a couple of songs that they begin to do where they are actually beginning to use Afro-Peruvian music samples. And then they kind of decided that they liked that and they actually brought in a couple of uh, well-known Afro-Peruvian musicians to come into the studio and record some of the vocal tracks and some of the percussion patterns.
1: From the ancestral memory of Victoria Cruz to the modern dance floor, this is Africa Lando with Nova Lima.
7: De Africa llegó mi abuela vestida de caracoles La trajeron españoles en un barco carabé Quick.
1: was Nova Lima, joined by top singer Milagros Guerrero. The group also includes Afro-Peruvians Marco Mosquera, Juan Medrano Gotito, and Mangue Vasquez, the grandson of celebrated Porfirio Vasquez. Nova Lima represents the new generation of Afro-Peruvian music. They are not afraid to interpret tradition as something in motion across stylistic and racial boundaries.
2: What many Afro-Peruvian artists today, uh, artists like Susana Baca, are looking to do is to kind of have the liberty to be musicians first and Afro-Peruvian second, and to be expressive and creative, but also to be Afro-Peruvian and to pay homage to that legacy.
1: Thank you, Heidi Feldman. That's it for Afropop Worldwide's hip-deep excursion to Afro-Peru. We'll leave you with another Afropop exclusive. Susana Baca, Un Cuento Silencioso.
6: Les daría soñadoras e imantadas fantasías posibles en los cuentos imposibles de colores. Nacería desde el agua donde anida cuarecido el arco iris. Cumpliría mis edades y tendría mis días atareados.
1: Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional support for Afropop Worldwide comes from Africa now at the Apollo Theater in New York City on March 11th, featuring stars, Son Sonhoi Blues, Dami Touré, Loiso Guala, and more. Special thanks to Terra, Alon, and Yale at Lua Kabop. Jacob Edgar, Cindy Byron with Peru Negro. Afropop would also like to recognize Valérie Magzac, Alex Bedford, and the scholars and musicians who participated in the program. Our thanks to Heidi Feldman, Juan Morillo, and Javier Leon. Simon Rentner and Will Glashpiegel produced this program. Thanks, guys! You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Stephanie Lebeau. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Acornifa Achier, and I'm Georges Collinet.
6: Se moria, se moria un guerrillero entre mis ojos, se moria...